and it, the you know a lot of this open space is a gray color which i would there's a lot of limestone and sulfur and stuff in there that um <clears throat> has covered up with these the different um i don't even know what the orange colors coming out of it it almost looks like rust to me but um, so um from um the internet it says and i will just read it the color produced by the bacteria and are determined by the temperature and depend on the ratio of chlorophyll and cardinoids that are present in the water. And that's what creates the color in the grand prismatic. And what did you tell me when I gave you that fact? Wow. No, <laughs> that's not what you said. You said there, well, there must be some sulfur because... Yeah, you can definitely smell. Um, you the said smell. there must be some sulfur because it smells like a fart. Right. Well, I was getting to that. <laughs> Welcome to the Winnie and Build Chat Podcast. Today is episode 15, and we're calling this one for the benefit and enjoyment of Winnie and Bill. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about Yellowstone National Park, and it won't be the last time we talk about Yellowstone National Park because it is one of our most favorite places on the planet so far. Yeah, it's a pretty nice place to be. We have visited there a number of times, and so we know that we cannot... Um, encapsulate everything we want to say or share about Yellowstone in one podcast episode. So be prepared that in future episodes, we'll probably revisit Yellowstone National Park. So today will be the first of many. Yeah, it's a, a pretty special place to be. Uh, we saw it probably for the first time seven, eight years ago now. Oh, maybe longer than that. But what inspired us to do this today was that Bill and I like to listen to a podcast called um, Dear Bob and Sue, which it, um, is a podcast done by a couple who have written books by the same name, the um, Dear Bob and Sue. And they, um, the couple who wrote the books, their names actually are Matt and Karen Smith. And they um, decided that they would retire and travel to all of the national parks. And I um, read their first book, or maybe it was their second book. And um, then when I saw that they had a podcast, we jumped on that. And their most recent episode was about Yellowstone. So Bill and I could not wait to listen to it. Yeah, we were pretty impressed with um, that uh, particular episode. But uh, kind of the reason or the thing that inspired us today to do our little twist on it is that uh, although Matt and Karen um, did point out a lot of great places to go, we wanted to just give you uh, a little bit of the insight of a few of the pictures that we took um, and maybe give them a little more personal story about um, the things that we're going to show you today. Also, I'm going to send Matt and Karen Smith a link to our podcast and maybe they'll start being fans of ours the way that we are fans of theirs. You never know. <laughs> so um, we want to thank Anchor Podcast Platform, which is a free podcasting platform that you can 
um, access through the World Wide Web or through an app on your smartphone. And uh, you can make your own podcast. If we can do it, you can do it. It's free. And uh, we want to thank uh, Anchor for making making this possible. Thanks, Anchor. <laughs> also, um, the way we like to do our podcast, Bill and I are photographers. And we have a, a little photography business called Quiet Shutter Fine Art and Photography. You can find us on the web. Our website is quietshutterphoto.com. And you can find us on Instagram by the same name, Quiet Shutter Photo. And you can uh, go to our Instagram and look at the pictures that we're going to be talking about today. Or you can follow along with them if you're in a place where you can follow along without driving off the road if you're listening while you're driving. Don't do that. Um, We also post them to our Facebook, which is Winnie underscore Bill. So let's get started, Bill, with our very first picture today. All right. What do we got up first? So this is a picture of the north entrance to Yellowstone National Park. Um, The park has five separate entrances from all the way around the park. And the park is huge. The park is, um, oh, I wrote it down somewhere. It's over 2 million acres, if I remember right. 2.2 million acres. I did remember. And it's mostly in Wyoming, but um, bits of it spill over into Montana, Idaho, and um, I guess that's the three states. Mostly Wyoming, a little bit in Montana, a tiny bit in Idaho. So if you were to drive around Yellowstone, it would take you day a couple days, right, Bill? Yeah, if you were to drive all the way around it. Yeah, it's just huge. So we like to, I like to go in the north entrance, which has the iconic stone arch. They call it the Roosevelt Arch um, at the entrance. And there's a placard, um, a cement placard in the arch that says for the benefit and enjoyment of the people but we think it should say for the benefit and enjoyment of Winnie and Bill and quiet shutter photography <laughs> right you know um the arch was named after um Teddy Roosevelt it wasn't it didn't start out to be that way but he happened to be vacationing in Yellowstone when they were building it and uh, they asked him to come back and speak at the dedication, and so therefore it became the Roosevelt Arch. Nice. So I, the picture that we're actually uh, talking about right now in the in the foreground of this picture is a pair of elk that are laying down in front of. There's a a stone uh, retaining wall that's probably hundred yards or so from the actual arch. That there's a these elk are actually laying down in a little park area that's below the arch. Um, there's a big parking lot. and um, I think they call this Arch View Park. Okay. There's quite often, almost, I think every time we've gone there, there's been at least a few elk. Sometimes there's a lot of elk right there. Yeah, it does seem to be a place where the elk like together. We've seen bison there too, but mostly elk. Yeah. There's some pronghorn around there too that we've seen. Definitely some pronghorn. Yeah. I recommend if you're going to Yellowstone National Park, get your butt out of bed early and get to the park really early in the morning if you can. I'm not a morning person, am I, Bill? No, you are not. (laughs) But Bill 
being a, a baker for over 30 years is definitely a morning person. He would get up at three in the morning and head to the park if it were up to him. Yeah, I would love to do that. But the earlier you get there, the more animal activity you see. Yeah, um, first thing in the morning, the animals are quite active. Sometimes you'll catch the animals who've been active all night trying to wind down their their day. Yeah, but um, in this picture, those elk are laying down on the manicured grass, being lazy. Yep, just hanging out. Looks like um, a bull elk, pretty good rack on his head, and a female elk, part of his harem, and they're just being lazy. Yeah. Yeah, actually, we had, uh, he was kind of chasing around some other elk. When this particular bull that we took a picture of, um, he was chasing around quite a few elk. There were some young bulls there that were trying to to uh, hit on his girlfriends, and he was having none of that. But he had just calmed down and was taking a little rest, and we took this particular picture. Yeah, this picture must have been taken in the fall because the horns are fully developed and all of the velvet is rubbed off of the elk horns. Um, so I assumed that this was one of our fall trips to Yellowstone. Yeah. But that is a really fun time of the year to go because the animals are in rut, which means they're looking for a girlfriend. Yeah. Um, we have the we have been to Yellowstone in August, never in July. And August was really busy. Uh, we really feel like the tail end of the season or early before the season gets going is the best time to visit Yellowstone. Yeah, the only thing nice about August, even though you got to fight a lot of traffic, is the bison that are in the park are in rut during um, later in in August into September. But uh, if you go in through a couple different big areas there, um, Hayden Valley and Lamar Valley, which are two of the big open spaces in the park, there's always big, big um herds of bison in there. So you get to see a lot of um, the rut activities, particularly in Hayden Valley. We were there one one time in August and um, we probably spent three or four hours parked on the side of the road, along with a lot of other tourists, um, watching the bison rut um, as the day waned on and the sun went down. But there was hundreds of bison in that field and all of the bulls is that what you call a male bison yeah were trying to uh sequester the females they really were trying to push them into their territory and then fight off all of the um all of the other bulls from from their female and it was at least when we were there it was kind of funny because the females weren't interested it didn't appear yeah they were <clears throat> they were like what's all this fuss about and it was as the day got Later, it got colder and you could see the bison's breath. And, you know, as they got more heated and frustrated and angry with each other, you could see the steam coming out of their nostrils. And yeah, it was it was a good time. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. This time of year in Michigan, it's still, you know, August, it's it's miserably hot sometimes. But um, by late um, late August in Yellowstone, temperatures are getting down around freezing at night. We actually, one night that we camped there um, on that particular trip, um, 
we woke up to snow on our tent. So uh, temperatures can be really nice and warm during the day, but quite often it drops off at night. So yeah, your their breath and their um, just working themselves up really. You could even see steam come out of their butts when they farted. Yeah. It was, it was pretty it was hot air coming from everywhere. <laughs> they were steamed up. <laughs> so the road back to the Roosevelt arch, just for a second, a little piece of trivia that I may have talked about before is that encased in the arch is a time capsule that was put there by the local Masons and inside of the time capsule is uh, it's reported that it contains a Bible, a photograph of Roosevelt, some Masonic documents, a newspaper from that um, day, and uh, U.S. coins, among other things. I don't know what the among other things are. Someday we'll find out. I don't think anybody will find. Well, I don't think is we'll find out. Is it meant to out. just stay there forever? Is that the intent of the time I capsule? I think it's just encased in there. I don't think that it's accessible. Somewhere in time, locked. So when the giant caldera blows. In the six of us that are still alive, <laughs> don't that don't live within 2,000 miles, we'll stumble upon it one day. Right. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next photo. All righty. Speaking of calderas blowing, it's a picture of Old Faithful. So the very first, I included this one because number one, uh, Old Faithful, the giant geyser, is um, iconic of Yellowstone. Maybe one of the first things that people think of when they think of Yellowstone National Park. And um, the very first time we traveled to Yellowstone um, was because our daughter, who was a college student at the time, had worked at the Lake Yellowstone Hotel for the summer in between, um, in between college semesters. And we went, we drove out there to retrieve her. We sent her out there on a Greyhound bus. Which was her idea, not ours. And terrifying for us as parents. Um, I don't remember how many hours she would have had to spend on that Greyhound, but we saw her off and we saw some of the characters that were getting on that bus and it was a little terrifying. Yeah, we actually shortened her trip by driving her from Michigan to Milwaukee where she actually got on the bus and it was still a 32-hour bus ride. Do you remember when she had to get in line to get on the bus and there was a gentleman who was standing in line in front of her? Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we we were pretty sure that it was Ted Kaczynski's brother. All he had on... Not in a good way. No. (laughs) No, he had one cardboard box under his arm and nothing else. Yeah, he he looked like a Ted Kaczynski character and he seemed a little iffy. Yeah, was Lauren and Ted's brother in line. (laughs) Yeah, but and we made, I made her promise anyways that she would call me Every hour and every stop and um, every transfer that she had to make from one bus to another all the way out there, regardless of time of day or night, and let me know how it was going. And it was a pretty hilarious trip. She, she's she got a pretty good sense of humor and the tales that she was telling me along the way, like the bus driver, the female bus driver who um, Lauren said she tried to always get a seat toward the front of the bus. And um, the bus driver was telling her tales about her days as a 
roller derby queen. <laughs> Just imagine. <laughs> so when we got out to retrieve Lauren from Yellowstone that summer, that August, uh, she told us to meet her at Old Faithful. So we drove in to the north and through the north entrance of the park. And it takes you a, a little while to drive from um, the Roosevelt Arch entrance all the way down to the southern part of the park, which is known as the Geyser Basin, the Midway Geyser Basin. Is that right? Yeah, that's um, Midway. Until you get to Old Faithful. And the park is is really a wild place. It's not a zoo by any means. It's a wild place. And the roads are uh, paved, but it still feels very remote until you get down to the Old Faithful area. Yeah, that's a very busy, that's probably the busiest part of the whole park. They even have like an overpass. Right. (laughs) So all of a sudden it feels like you're, you know, you're not in the wilderness anymore, but you are. Right. You go from what looks like a two track or not two track, but two lane country road to, you know, the road splits into four lanes in spots. And yeah, it's very congested area of the park, but for good reason, there's good, lots of great things to see down in there. There is, there is. And I think Old Faithful is, um, you know, probably number one destination for people. I keep saying I'm never going back to Old Faithful again. It's too crowded. It's a huge parking lot. There's just a lot of people. And once you've seen Old Faithful go off, you've seen Old Faithful go off. But that's not really true. And <laughs> we keep going back time and again. Right. And actually, we have several ideas that we we would love to take pictures of Old Faithful at night. We would love to take pictures of Old Faithful in the snow. I would love um, for some bison to wander past Old Faithful as it's going off to get that picture. Yeah. Do you think they would be upset if we put a pile of corn near them? Yeah, I think they would be upset. Yeah, that, <laughs> In this picture, this is just a, an iconic picture of beautiful blue skies, all the evergreen trees or whatever they are in the background, and Old Faithful in the middle of, of its eruption. Right. There are several other geysers there that we have not. There's a a couple of good hikes right there that you can take to see several different geysers. They do not go off as often as. Or as predictably. Yeah. But there are, um, there's several different geysers in that area that we have not taken pictures of either. So we need to do that yet as well. Did you know that there's an app for Old Faithful? You can download an app on your phone that will um, keep you updated on what time. Old Faithful is going to erupt. They, it erupts about every hour, but it's not precise on, you know, every hour on the hour or anything like that. It's a little bit different, but the the park rangers there have a pretty good way of calculating when it's going to go off. And they have chalkboard signs and whatnot around where they post so that if you arrive, you get an idea of how much time you have before you want to be in front of Old Faithful to see it go off. Right. Right. And there are, um, there's actually a live cam there as well that you can quite often pick up. Yeah. You can, from the comfort of your own home, you can uh, tune in to Old Faithful and see what's going on there. Sometimes when there's a starry night or snowstorm or whatever, sometimes it's really cool just to pop on and, and look at that live cam and see what's going on at Old Faithful. So the first time that we went was to pick Lauren up and we get to Old Faithful and there's this huge parking lot 
full of people. It was August, so the park was very busy. And I thought, how on earth are we going to even find her? And we were so anxious to see her. It was the first time that she'd left home for that period of, well, I mean, she'd been at college, but I mean, she was way from home when she was in Yellowstone and we were in Michigan. So we missed her and we couldn't wait to see her. And uh, so we got on the boardwalk by Old Faithful and I think we were texting back and forth trying to find her. And finally, she and her friend um, showed up. And you know what I remember about that? What's that? I remember the T-shirt she was wearing. I bet you don't remember this. Yeah, I remember. Do you? Yep. She said was, something like, I, I've survived the George Bush administration. <laughs> it's exactly what it said. I was never more proud of my daughter. <laughs> she had a t-shirt on that showed uh, President Bush and his cabinet and it that's what it said I survived the Bush administration how quaint and funny that seems now <laughs> yeah if we only knew if we only knew it could be worse yeah so um so that's old faithful um old faithful um I think it was the year that Lauren was in Yellowstone that um, a couple of drunk um, young men, I think that they were working at the park even, probably working at Old Faithful. It, yeah, the, I think they had just been there for a few days or something like that. And they didn't the realize story. that there's a live camera that takes pictures of the geyser every five minutes. And they, um, when you're at uh, Yellowstone and you're near any of the thermal features, you have to stay on boardwalks and um, trails. Because the areas around the um, geysers is it's very fragile earth, and there's you know there's a potential that you could break through, or fall in, or scald yourself, and so out of an abundance of safety, they've built boardwalks for people to stay on. There's plenty of signs that say to stay on the boardwalks. Oh yeah, you you can't miss the signs. You can't miss them. The other thing is the the um. They just want to protect everything around there so that it doesn't get damaged. Oh, can you imagine if they just let anybody walk up close to the geyser? Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, it would just be, it would be trashed and ruined. And so they have to. But these two young guys decided in the middle of the night they were going to go pee in Old Faithful. Yeah, that was fun. But it was on camera. So joke was on them because was on them. that is a federal offense. And they'll never be allowed in Yellowstone Park again. No, nope. they got carted off to jail for that one. I was I was doing a little research, though, and I just read online that back in the early, early days of Yellowstone, that people would wash their clothes in the Old Faithful Geyser. They would throw their clothes in the hole. And, and then just come back up. Yeah. And just wait for the geyser <laughs> to go off and the clothes would all come spewing back out. And it said most of the clothes fared pretty well and got clean. After all, the the temperature of the water is about 204 degrees. The steam is about 350 degrees. However, wool clothes did not fare that well. <laughs> Imagine that. I suppose they figured they'd be folded out too when they came back out. <laughs> Oh, the things we used to do before we knew better. Right. All right. So do you want to talk about this next picture, Bill? So this next picture is actually a picture of a thermal feature that's called the Grand Prismatic. And um, 
this particular picture is from an overlook um, that they've actually built in the last two or three years, if I remember right. Um, that's up on a hill in behind where the actual thermal feature is itself. Um, in the foreground, you can see um, some of the small spruce trees and stuff that are in if in front of um, the actual uh, platform that we were standing on when we took this picture, um, there's actually a, this is actually an area where the one of the forest fires had gone through there. So the trees are all oh probably eight ten feet tall. That's all regrowth, regrowth, new new growth from where the fire had come through. There's actually also some of the trees that had burned and have fallen over in the foreground as well. But um, this particular spot is really kind of unique because if you, if uh, for those of you who can look at the picture, way off to the the op the far side of the pool itself, you can see little people look like little tiny specks, um, but they're on a boardwalk that walks around about half of this feature as well. Um, and you can, uh, this boardwalk will, will get you fairly close to the pool, but you really cannot see much of the color of this pool because um, it's very steamy. And quite often you just can't see anything but steam as you're walking through there. So um, this particular uh, vantage point that we took this picture of, um, they, the park service, um, built this uh, walk that's probably three quarters of a mile from the parking lot. Um, and it's, it's uh, gravel, but it's very hard packed. And um, I mean, we, the day that we were up there, um, there were people in wheelchairs that were using the path. So I knew you would bring that up. It's, uh, it's I knew you would easy. bring that up. I wasn't going to say anything about the <laughs> they, steel store. They say this is an easy hike and it's wheelchair accessible, which it is. It is. I am not in good shape and uh, I take my hikes slowly. That way I can take in the view. But um, I knew that I probably needed to get in better shape when the gentleman in a wheelchair lapped me on the hike <laughs> up to the viewing of Grand Prismatic. <laughs> yeah. We weren't going to say anything about that. Yeah, right. <laughs> the first few times that we visited Grand Prismatic, we just did the boardwalk. Um, you right. know, we, we parked there and we walked around, which I think everybody should do. Um, it's, it, it Bill's right. You can't, you don't get a sense of the, how pretty this is from the ground, the way that you do from an elevation. Um, probably many of you listening have seen pictures of the Grand Prismatic from an aerial view taken from a helicopter. They don't allow drones in the park, but nope. maybe if you're somebody official, they get away with it. But um, the when you see the picture from aerial view, the pool has beautiful greens and blue colors where the water is. And of course, there's steam coming up and then there's um, all kinds of colors around where um, the what do you call it bill the where the rock and the minerals and whatnot have there's yellow and oranges and browns and oh there's just this great open space that you know it almost looks like it was a 
like a spot where a volcano had erupted and the lava has just all dried in there, but it's not really lava. It's just, well, actually it is. I think most of Yellowstone is some sort of lava. Yeah. I mean, Yellowstone looks- is built on a giant caldera, which is yep. a volcano. Yeah. Um, so a lot of it is volcanic and the water is coming out of cracks in the earth. So it's coming from inside of the earth and right. I mean, it's, it's otherworldly though, to see it. It definitely is. And it, the, you know, a lot of this open space is a gray color, which I would, there's a lot of limestone and sulfur and stuff in there that, um, has covered up with these, the different, um, I don't even know what the orange color is coming out of it. It almost looks like rust to me, but. um. So um, from um, the internet, it says, and I will just read it, color produced by the bacteria, the color produced by the bacteria and are determined by the temperature and depend on the ratio of chlorophyll and cardinoids that are present in the water. And that's what creates the color in the grand prismatic. And what did you tell me when I gave you that fact? Wow. No, <laughs> that's not what you said. You said there, well, there must be some sulfur because. Yeah, you can definitely smell. Um, you the said smell there of- must be some sulfur because it smells like a fart. Right. Well, I was getting to that. Yeah, it definitely has a, a distinct odor there that you will you will smell. And you smell that in quite a few of the thermal features. But, um, yeah, that's, you know, chlorophyll and sunlight is the way it makes color in plants and stuff. So chlorophyll makes sense to me. Sure. So um, the first few visits we did to Yellowstone, we just walked around the Grand Prismatic. And honestly, sometimes you see color in the steam. I've taken pictures where you can see, and not just because it's creating a rainbow either. It's just. No, it's just actually coming up out of the water. That's changing color. And, but um, I didn't realize really that there was a hike that took you up to the little mountain area above the grand prismatic, but that is definitely um, a hike not to miss. It is an easy hike. Yeah. Um, You are climbing on your way up, but it's, it's not that long. Right. And going down is much easier, but yeah, um, to view it from elevation is the best way to see it. So if you're going to go to Yellowstone, you want to see the Grand Prismatic, do both. Walk right. around the boardwalk and do the hike and look at it from a little bit of an above vantage point. Yeah. If you're coming south through the park and you hit the, the area where the Grand Prismatic is, if you continue on the road, maybe a half a mile, there's another parking lot and that's where the hike up into the trees um, is for this particular viewing spot. I think you do have to move from one parking lot to another to yes, access both things. So, you do. so um, if you're, if you've come in through the North heading South, you will hit the parking lot for the boardwalk trail first, and then get back in your car and take the very next parking lot and take the hike up, up the little hill there to, to see the grand prismatic. So Bill said the other tip for getting good pictures of the Grand Prismatic is to have a very tall son-in-law go with you. <laughs> right, Bill? Yeah. When you're vertically challenged as I am at whopping five foot eight and your son-in-law who's six, two or better comes along, you can just use his long arms to help <laughs> you out with pictures. 
Yeah, Cole, our son-in-law, is nice and tall. And then he brought um, a selfie stick, which I think now they're banned in Yellowstone. I, I'm not sure. I know some of the parks have banned selfie sticks because people just are not paying attention to where they're swinging their selfie stick around. But um, And Cole was very, um, very uh, stealthy about how he... I think he was embarrassed to have a selfie stick and all of a sudden he pulled it out of a inside pocket of his jacket or something. And he had a GoPro and uh, along with his height and his selfie stick, he took a picture, which I couldn't find today to include, but it was uh, a picture of the three of us with the grand prismatic in the background, which was an awesome picture. Yeah. It turned out nice. So definitely I almost would recommend the grand prismatic over old faithful, but it's really hard to put them in you know, in a priority, everything is different and everything is cool. Yeah. They, they're both unique and, uh, I, I wouldn't miss either one if, if, if I've never been to the park. So. so another thing that, uh, is worth taking the time to see in Yellowstone is what they call the grand Canyon of Yellowstone, which before we went out there and Lauren was our tour guide and showed us around, I didn't, I knew nothing about the Grand Canyon of Yellowstone. Did you, Bill? Had you ever heard of it? No, I think I probably had saw pictures of it, but had no idea what it was or where it was. So the Grand Canyon of Yellowstone is a deep canyon that uh, was created um, from the volcano originally, probably, and then carved out because of the river that runs through there. And there are a couple of um, impressive waterfalls. Um, so the picture that um, we've posted on our Instagram is a picture of the, I'm not, is this the upper or lower? I'm confused by which is which, but I think this, this is the lower and it's the bigger falls of the two of them. Right. Um, and it is impressive. Um, the first time we were there, Lauren took us, I, I was indifferent when she said, oh, we've got to go see the Grand Canyon of Yellowstone. I thought, whatever. But um, take a little, you know, there's several, there's a little loop drive you can take that will take you to um, several different viewing points for the falls. And you just take a, a really short, um, often they're paved walkways to where you can see the the canyon and the waterfalls. And I mean, they take your breath away. It's spectacular. Yeah, this is... Uh... I'm assuming this was the south side. It uh, it gets you a little closer. Um, but this particular trail is paved for a little bit, I believe, and then it's a dirt trail off of the parking lot. But um, it's uh, it's just really worth taking the little little tiny bit of time to go and see it because it is pretty breathtaking. And it and it drops the waterfall itself. I think this one drops over 300 feet, but the canyon itself is, oh, it's over a thousand foot deep. It's just crazy how far it just keeps going down and down and down. And we've been there um, a number of different times. Uh, one trip, we convinced our son to go along with us. He was in college at the time and arranged to um, take a week off and do his classes remotely for a week. And, um, do you remember his reaction to the Grand Canyon of Yellowstone, Bill? Yeah, he was, um, apparently he's a little afraid of heights. I we didn't, didn't know that. We didn't know that, but 
He did not want to get near the edge of that at all. And the viewing points, they look to me like they're, you know, they're constructed and made pretty, pretty safe. If you stay where you're supposed to stay, I think you're pretty safe. And I remember the first viewing point we went to with Andy and they've and they've made it look very natural. There is big, big boulders that are cemented in with, you know, steel rails through them. Um, and Andy walked up and he walked within maybe two or three feet of the of the edge of the viewing area and said, OK. And then he walked back to the car. Yeah, I almost think he got a little bit of vertigo or something that just kind of made him like a, a little bit uneasy. And it was like, I don't need to do this anymore. And I, if you've seen listened, all I need to see. If you've listened to the episode we did with Andy, uh, he talks about how when he was younger, he had a couple of ear surgeries. And there is a pretty good chance that he suffers from some some vertigo um, because of that. But he was... <laughs> I mean, we all kind of had a giggle for the poor on his behalf, poor guy, because he you could tell he just it was not comfortable being out on that viewing area looking down into that canyon. So he went back to where the car was while we did our looking and taking pictures. And when we came back, he was busy taking pictures of a raven. <laughs> yep. Per perfectly content taking care of that picture. Instead. Perfectly content. Yeah. And uh, we we stopped at the other viewing points, and I don't think he got very far from the car at any of them. No, <laughs> no. There was there's also several times when we've been there, and I wish I could remember which viewing spot it w was. Maybe Artist Point, where there's a sort of a stone column um, on the edge of the canyon, and there's seems to always be an osprey nest. Yeah, and it's. It's out in the canyon a little bit and probably a couple hundred feet below where you're standing. Yeah, so you um, can look down into it. Yeah. If you have uh, binoculars, which I recommend you have when you're in Yellowstone, or a long, uh, a long camera lens so you can zoom in and see closer. It's, an, it's been an active nest anytime we've been there in, in the spring. Yeah, every time we've gone there, we've, even in the fall, I think we even saw an osprey there. Yeah, so the Grand Canyon of Yellowstone, something I never knew about, but something you shouldn't miss. Yep, well worth stopping by. Um, I guess it was originally discovered by a man named Charles Cook, which I assume the Cook City is named after, which is one of the uh, entrances to the park. Um, and it's said that when he came upon it, he sat there speechless, and as his companions, who he was... Um, exploring with joined him. They all just sat there and stared in awe and nobody spoke for, for several minutes. And I can see where I think that you could even still see that reaction in tourists as they come down that trail and first get a glimpse of, especially that lower falls. You just stand there and take it in. There's just nothing more to be said than to just be in awe. Right. You can hear the roar of it from a long ways off, but um, until you're standing there looking at it, it's just you can't you can't uh, fathom how big it is and how powerful it is and how beautiful an area it really is. Rugged and beautiful. Yep. So our next picture is also something that is iconic of <laughs> Yellowstone National Park. Do you want to describe this picture, Bill? This picture is a. Um, a picture of a uh, 
I'm assuming a female oh, bison. Yeah. I believe the little the little what they call the red dog, um, little baby um, bison, probably a couple of weeks old at oh, best. Oh no, I bet not even because if you look closely, you can still see umbilical cord. Okay, well then this. a few days at yeah. best. Um, very young, anyways. Uh, nose to nose. Um, and uh, this, if I remember right, was probably taken in Lamar Valley. Um, but you see, um, is it late May, first part of June, when the bison babies are I think, born? I think May, for sure. Yeah. Seems like it was like late May, around Mother's Day or a little after, when you start seeing some of the babies. But they are the most cute little things you've ever seen. I say little, but they're probably still weigh 50 pounds. <laughs> Bison are iconic of uh, Yellowstone National Park. And to my understanding, they the herd you see in Yellowstone is um, the most pure um, bison herd there is left in, in America. That um, So these animals go back to the days that we tried to slaughter them and get rid of them. They survived. Yeah. They are gigantic animals and, and they look a little bit like slow and docile and they're built so that their heads are down meant for grazing. But I have seen bison take off and run and I don't think I could outrun them. I know you couldn't outrun them. And they are dangerous animals. A lot of people mistakenly think that they're just docile and you could walk up to them and touch them. But those people use usually end up in the hospital. Yeah, don't try and pet a bison. That that doesn't end well for anyone. Right. They are ferocious animals if they want to be. But this particular time, being in Yellowstone in the spring, um, you want to watch out for seeing the red dogs, the baby bison. Um, and they definitely are more of a red color than the adult bison. And they're adorable. They look fuzzy. Yeah, they're just, it looks like you want to touch them. Right. <laughs> you definitely don't want to try and touch one of those. No, you no, will, no, no. You will not survive that episode because mom will stomp you into the and, ground. And it seems like the um, the females sort of gather together during this time of year and the bulls, the males are off on their own somewhere else. So you would probably have to contend with not mom, not just mom, but all but of the, the moms. community would do you in. Yeah, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be good. But um, we were determined on the trip that we took this picture, which is a picture that to me looks like little baby bison kissing mom bison. Definitely being affectionate. Um, we were hoping that we would witness a baby bison being born. And we thought we were going to. Do you remember that? Yeah. It's, we were so silly. Yeah. There was bison on the side of the road and one of them was laying down and it looked like it was panting hard and we were for sure that that bison was in labor so we pulled over onto a little pull out on the side of the road and how long do you think we sat there oh an hour at least yeah <laughs> we had our cameras ready and we were taking pictures of that bison and birds and other things and but we decided we were just going to be patient and and perhaps we would see a baby bison being born. And eventually the bison stood up and guess what? Too late. It was not a female. <laughs> Something else had grown in while we were standing there. <laughs> we were so silly. 
Oh, well, they all look alike from a distance. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do all grow horns. So it is hard to distinguish, you know, unless they're standing yep. in profile. It's hard to um, it's hard to determine if it's a male or a female. So there we could have stayed there all day and there was no chance for a birth. <laughs> I don't think he was going to give birth. I don't know. So our next picture is a picture of a, oh, sweet, cuddly black bear. Yeah, he was cuddly, probably about 300 pounds. <laughs> we were driving. Um, the Lamar Valley is a road that goes east and west on the very north part of the park. And it's, um, I know that if you listen to the Bob and Sue podcast, they say that the Lamar Valley is their favorite part of the park. And it's our favorite part of the park, too. Um, we love to take pictures of wildlife and the Lamar Valley is where you're going to, you know, if you're patient and take your time, it's where you're likely to see, um, the most wildlife and the least amount of other tourists. Yeah. I think that the, from, um, going on the road to Lamar Valley, uh, we've seen all different kinds of wildlife and then beyond the Lamar Valley as well. So, yeah, it's kind of a unique um, spot to see just all kinds of different kinds of, of wildlife. Um, this particular bear was in a little tight little bend in the road where you, it's almost a 90 degree turn. You go down a pretty good. Um, yeah, I was just going to say the road dips ravine. down a little bit. Yeah. And then hooks a big turn around a corner, which is a gorgeous open um area to see um, to see the valley the valley that's there yeah but uh, this little bear was sitting on the side of the road um he was actually eating some berries that were uh on a plant there and there was a traffic jam like you wouldn't believe that well was we were the first ones to, we were the first ones to spot this bear which is unusual they call them bear jams yeah you know, when somebody sees a bear and they pull over and then if you notice somebody's pulled over, you're going to pay attention to what they're looking at. And if it's a bear, everybody pulls over. But we were the first ones to spot this bear. So for a couple of minutes, we had him all to ourselves. Yeah. And uh, but we we were those annoying people who pulled over and stopped on the side of the road where there really wasn't room to pull over and stop. We were and only going to be there for a couple seconds. I know. Like everybody it's so says. tempting. And it's it was such a bad thing to do because. It was a bad spot to pull over. In hindsight, really, it was a really bad spot. We, I mean, we could have easily gotten rear-ended or. And that road that goes east and west, Lamar Valley, is sort of a shortcut from uh, Cook City and uh, Gardner, Montana. And there's actually a, a fair bit of traffic that drives through there, not because they're wanting to visit the park. It's just, they're trying to get from point A to point B. Yeah. Delivery so, trucks in particular. Right. So there are some big trucks that can come barreling through there. And if you're in a little dip down in the road where they can't see you and they come up on you, they can't stop that fast. So in hindsight, we shouldn't have done that, but, but we did. Yeah. <laughs> So this is a black bear and uh, you can see in this picture why black bears have been made into teddy bears. He looks adorable. He's got a little tan color around his muzzle. Otherwise, he's black with those round ears sticking up, those beautiful brown eyes. 
but don't let him fool you. He he is not probably cuddly. No, he seemed quite innocent and didn't appear to even care that anyone was around him. But uh, again, not a cuddly animal, not something that you want to try and pet or get and, very near because they will defend their space. I, absolutely. Um, I should also mention that we have uh, a nice long zoom camera lens. So this makes it appear as though we were pretty close to this bear, but we really were not. And we were also in our car shooting from the safety of the car through the window. Right. We were still at least 50, 60 yards away from him. We were not as close as this picture appears to be. So um, we've mentioned the road from Gardner to Cook City. Well, it's. I mean, you have to go down a little south from Gardner and then turn right. to go to go east to Cook City. Cook City is another entrance to the park. And there's a little would, a little town. Would you call it a town, a village of Cook City? They even, call it Cook even City, the but village it's not a is city. a stretch, but it's a very tiny, tiny little community. And it's probably maybe two blocks long. But it's also at the base to entering the Beartooth Pass Highway. Yes, which is a great place yeah. to travel when you can get through there. I, I do not remember the top elevation of the Beartooth Pass, but it's up there. And it's a road that a lot of people like to say they've traveled, especially by motorcycle. Um, and it, But it's the window of opportunity to drive the complete pass is pretty narrow, two or three months. Tops, Bill? I would guess eight weeks at best, yeah, because it does literally get over 20 foot of snow up. In I there. remember reading an article about a family that had, uh, and it's funny because we've been there too when we knew that the pass was closed, but there wasn't any barricades or anything yet. Um, and you could accidentally drive up there and then end up in a real mess. Um, and this family had driven up the, uh, the highway, um, Beartooth Pass Highway. And it had started snowing and they got to a point where they couldn't move forward and they couldn't move backwards. And the husband had to hike out and leave the family in the car. And it was several days. I think they had to survive before someone came to rescue them. So you want to make sure that you look into it before you drive the Beartooth Pass as to whether it's safe or not. But um, we did drive to the summit one time. And then we turned around and came back. We didn't go all the way to the other side. But the, the one thing other than beautiful, spectacular views, well, two things that I remember about the Beartooth Pass. And one is that randomly you might run into cattle. Do you remember that? Bill? Yeah, that's actually a free range area for cattle, which was just just mind blowing to me. It's like, is that a cow? I know. Why is there a cow up here? Yeah, you're doing switchbacks up the mountain and all of a sudden there's there's a herd of cattle crossing the road coming from Michigan where everybody keeps their farm animals in fenced, fenced areas. It just it surprises me every time we come across a free range herd of cattle. So you have to watch out for, for cows on the road. <laughs> but the other thing I remember about the bear tooth passes when we did get to the summit and we parked and we were taking it in and taking pictures and do you remember what we saw, Bill? Yeah, we saw a pika. A pika. Pika? Pika. This is the picture that got away. We'll talk about that now instead yeah. of at the end of the podcast. But uh, pikas are the funniest little rodents, correct? Yeah. Kind of the size of a hamster. Probably the size maybe? of a hamster. Maybe a big fat hamster. But 
and they they work all season long that they're able to be above ground preparing for winter collecting food you know making their burrows and often you'll see little pikas with a bunch of little grasses and wildflowers in their mouth and they just look so adorable yeah they always look like they have a bouquet in their mouth that they're taking home to mom and so we actually saw that we saw a pika and he was he was working hard and he had bunches of stuff in his mouth and we tried to get a picture of that pika, but they maneuver pretty fast. They're fast and they do, they're definitely camera shy. And yeah, definitely shy. So that was, that's the picture that's gotten away from us. Right. But we did see mule deer up there. We saw some uh, spruce grouse up there. Um, and there's lots of different wildlife up in there that we just not, yeah. didn't see. It. And of course, this is outside of the park border. But, you know, the animals, like I said earlier, it's not a zoo. The animals are not, you know, kept within the boundary of the park. Animals are in and out of the park all the time. So um, so if you travel to Yellowstone, keep your eyes open before you get to the park, after you leave the park, because it's it's a wild area. So our next picture is of another bear. Yes, this was uh this is actually a good sized grizzly bear that we um came on a bear jam as we were going. Yeah, um, we were not the first ones to no, see this. I believe if I remember right, this is quite f south of the park, um, south of uh, Old Faithful area, and um, there was this grizzly had been feeding. Um, up in this, you can tell in this picture, uh, the, the bear is actually in the middle of this picture, but, um, the trees all the way around it are actually burned. It's an area where there had been a fire probably four or five years prior to us taking this picture. But, um, this bear was up in the, the grassy area. It was just kind of an open area in between a bunch of trees that had burned off and, uh, he was eating something up in there. I know um, the ranger said that this bear had been there for a few days in yeah. this, you know, he was just kind of camped out in this spot. So as the days went by, more and more people were showing up to see him because he was reliable to see. Yeah. And there was a lot of cars that were parked on the side of the road. And there was two or three rangers that were there controlling traffic and making sure that people weren't doing anything stupid. And occasionally they were. Right. Trying to sneak off somewhere to get a better angle picture. And then the ranger would have to go yeah, flag him down and tell him, no, you need to get back here. I remember the very first time we saw a bear in the park. I think it was Hayden Valley. And um, the bear was trying to cross the road. And there was, of course, a bear jam. Lots of cars parked on both sides of the road. And rangers, the ranger was yelling at people to stay close to their car. And I re it was a female ranger. And she said... And whatever car I'm close to, when he decides to come across the road, I'm diving into your car. Just going to let you know right now, you're going to have company. So, but do you remember the crazy guy in the camper? Yeah. Yeah. This guy, there was a motor home. And I mean, there was probably 40 or 50 vehicles all jammed up. Uh, and everybody was just trying to get a, a look at this bear. And, uh, the ranger was asking the guy to get off the top of his camper. <laughs> yeah, he had climbed the ladder at the back of his camper and was up on top of the roof of the yeah. camper to get a view. I even think he was drinking a beer. Yeah, I think he was. That was part of the reason why she said, you can't drink 
while you're in here and you've got to get off your vehicle. And he was having a shouting match with the ranger saying, you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> it's my right to do this. Some people. I was waiting for the chant to have the ranger take him out, but that didn't start. <laughs> they don't mess around, though, in the park. If you're doing something against the rules, they will they will make you leave. And they may even make it so you don't get to come back to a national park ever again. So you really do need to abide by the rules. They're there just for to keep everybody safe. Right. So everybody enjoys the same thing and, and nobody gets hurt. So if you see a bear in Yellowstone National Park or other areas, there are differences between black bear and grizzly bear. And what the obvious thing is size. Black bear tend to be smaller than grizzly bears, although black bears can get big. Yeah, And we've seen smaller grizzly bears than the black bears there as well. So yeah, right. they, they do. But if you're comparing mature male to oh, mature yeah. male. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Much so, bigger animal. Yeah. So the black bear... Um, have bigger ears than the grizzly bears and they're more rounded. Um, the black bear sort of have a Roman nose, sort of a rounded nose. You know, it's your typical teddy bear look. Whereas the grizzly bears have a humped, a hump on their back and broader shoulders. And their profile is more straight, like a more straight forehead down to the nose. But, um, oh, and the claws. Now there's the biggest difference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I saw recently on something we were watching on TV. If you see bear prints and the little claw marks next to the footprint are tight close to the pad marks, it's a black bear. But if you see the, the footprint and the pad marks are about three inches away from the claw marks, that's a grizzly bear. So that tells you that the claws on a grizzly are far bigger yeah, they can be up to eight inches. Like a handful pad. of knives. It's crazy how big they are. Yeah. They're, again, nothing to mess around with, but sure are fun to see. Yep. Our next picture is of a moose. And there is a story behind this picture. Yeah, this picture is actually a moose that's standing in um river. The river. And this is actually um, over towards Cook City. Um, there's a section of road probably two or three miles before you get to the end of the road going into Cook City um, that the river runs right along the edge of the road. And this particular bull, Winnie and I were um, driving over in that area, and we actually had stopped. There was a pullout that was right just off of the, the river itself. Um, and we pulled off, and we were actually sitting there um, Having a little lunch. And, We're having uh, our crackers at Wensleydale cheese. cheese. Our favorite. Yeah. Little cranberry Wensleydale. Good stuff. Anyways, it's kind of, we were sitting there and uh, I joked to Winnie. I said, wouldn't it be cool if the big bull just trotted down? There was this, um, across from where we were parked, there was a little bit of a rise on the, on the hill that went up this, on a slope. And you could see this little trail that kind of came down. Um, like on a 45 degree angle off of the top of the hill down to the road base. And uh, we were just kind of joking about that because we had, um, we had heard that there were moose in the area. We had seen moose in the Lamar Valley, that part of the Lamar Valley area before, but from a distance. Right. Nothing, nothing very close. So we're sitting there and all of a sudden, sure enough, 
I see something move, and it's this bull. He's trotting down. And he's not just slowly walking. He's busting down this hill. And uh, he's coming, like I said, when you, he's going to come right on the road in front of us. We couldn't grab, I couldn't grab the camera fast enough and, and right. ha- hand it over to Bill. And just as he dove down onto the road, there was a car coming. And this car slammed on its brakes and swerved uh, and actually stopped like 45, in a 45 degree angle across both lanes. And this bull, I don't know if he actually ran into the side of the car. I don't think he did, but he, he was like a foot away from it. And he turned and he ran right past right us, past us in behind our car and down into the river. Where he just stood. Yeah. And he just stood there. Um, and he stood there for probably 10 minutes. Just he, he wandered around a little bit, but he primarily just stood there. Yeah. So, yeah, Bill was I, I have to say Bill's reaction time is way better than my reaction time. And he grabbed the camera and was out of the car faster than I could even think about it. So the gentleman that was driving the car, he comes bustling up behind me. He's going, what was that? Oh, it almost hit my car. And uh, I said, it's a moose. It's standing right there in the river. And he went. Oh, yep, that's it. And he just kept talking, and I was trying to be kind and telling him, you know, I'm trying to take pictures here. Would you leave me alone for a second? I know. I just think the adrenaline for that poor guy was so high. Oh, he was high. in shock. <laughs> he just, uh, he just didn't, he didn't know what to do with himself because he did come very, very close to having a, a moose car encounter. Yeah, and it was, the car was a kind of a little sports car. I can't remember what it was, but it was his pride and joy anyways. And I think he was, he was really in shock that he had just about totaled it out on a moose. We usually fly to Montana to visit our daughter and then go into um, Yellowstone in a rented car. We rent a car and we try to get, um, yeah, midsize SUV with four wheel drive. And I, you know, if I had a little, and I, we've seen a lot of sports cars in Yellowstone. Yeah, I would Convertibles, and what are they thinking? <laughs> well, it looks pretty till you hit something big. Right. So, um, moose are um, also ferocious, dangerous animals that you need to respect and keep your distance from. Um, Bill and I used to be involved in mushing dogs and dog sled racing, and so... Um, the icons of the mushing world, one of the icons of the mushing world is Susan Butcher, who um, won the Iditarod a few times and was um, just an amazing woman musher. And she had to drop out of the Iditarod one year because her dog sled team was attacked by a moose. Yeah, it was in the middle of a trail and the moose was not getting out of the trail. There was uh Quite often in that particular race, there's a lot of places where you're going to run into moose and the snow will be really deep and the, and the moose are just on the trail just to be able to get a little relief from walking in deep snow. And, and this pack of dogs come up on them like a pack of wolves and they treat them as if they're wolves. And it, that moose went right down the, through the team and, and killed three or four of her dogs. I and, think that three of her dogs were killed, several of them injured. Yeah. And to my understanding, Susan Butcher just sort of chased the moose off. She was quite a woman. Chased him off with an axe, if I remember right. Yeah. That was the only weapon she had. Yeah. But But, moose are nothing to mess around with. I remember Lauren, remember Lauren one time 
calling me. She was working in Big Sky, Montana at the time in a restaurant, the late shift. And she called because she was standing just outside the restaurant trying to get to her car and there was a moose in the parking lot. And so she was just staying put until that moose decided to move away because she was not going to try and walk anywhere near that moose to get to her car. Yeah. Part of the training when they were, when she first was working at that particular place, they always give you the safety tips of the area and, and they warned everyone that bears are dangerous. Moose will kill you. And also with bear, you have to, you need to keep your car doors locked because bear have learned how to open car doors. I've seen videos of this happening. Oh yeah. They, they figured it out. They are figured it out. So um, this moose though was pretty exciting. And Bill, again, he wasn't as this picture is probably cropped a little bit and also was taken with a big zoom lens. He wasn't as close to the moose as the picture makes it appear, but after the moose got across the road, he was pretty amiable about just meandering around. And we got hundreds of pictures, I think, of this particular moose. Yeah. And he was he was looking for a female because he was calling quite a bit. And uh, there must have been a female fairly close because he was sticking around that area for quite a while. Yeah, that was that was a pretty sweet experience. Yeah, it was pretty special. Um. Moose, you you have a better chance of seeing moose in the north end of the park than anywhere else. A lot of people think that seeing a moose in Yellowstone is is rare. Uh, we've had pretty good luck, but probably you have better luck if you go down to Grand Teton National Park, which is south of Yellowstone. Right. One runs right moose. into the other. But right. uh, yes, that Grand Teton, Jackson Hole, Wyoming area, there's quite a few moose around there. The last time we were at Yellowstone, it was November, and we um, a lot of the park was closed. But the the road from you can get from Gardner to Cook City uh, all year round, uh, weather provided. Right. Um, and so we drove the Lamar Valley. I guess we just did it one day, right? And we had a we yeah. had a vehicle that had four wheel drive and whatnot. But when we got in there early in that day, some of the spots on the road were icy. Very icy. And I know that you said that it was made your toes curl a little bit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we had we had big idea of um, we'll drive across the Lamar Valley and then we'll drive back. Maybe we'll do it twice. It'll yeah, take we'll go have day. lunch and then we'll drive yeah. drive it one more time. But after we drove, got to Cook City and turned around to come back, I said to you, we are not doing this again. That was more than my heart can take in a day. <laughs> so, but the one thing we did see in this area where we'd previously seen a moose was the fox. Do you re remember that? And there yeah, was a, there was, was a fox cool. jam on the side there of the was road. a fox jam there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this fox was uh, hunting mice, I think is actually what he was doing, but he was all over this little opening along the river and um, there was probably 30 cameras on the side of the road. Yeah. Yeah. And the fox, I mean, how far away from the road do you think he was? Oh, 50, 60 yards, something he like that. He could have cared less that the yeah, people were there. he didn't care anybody. He was not paying attention to anybody. Was but it there. was so much fun to watch him because he was, he would creep along in the snow and tip his head from one side to the other like he was listening. And I'm tipping my head back and forth right now, even though nobody can see me. And then he would stop and he would listen and then he would jump way up in the air and and head down head first into the snow 
so that only his back half was sticking up. And then he would either come out with a mouse in his mouth or not. <laughs> he did catch a few while we were there. He actually. did. He was yeah. being a good hunter. Yeah. But that was that was fun trying to take pictures of of the fox hunting and diving into the snow like that. Yeah. So you just never know what you're going to see when you're in any of those areas, actually. But yeah, that was kind of a bonus for us that day. You know, Bill and I have talked up Yellowstone National Park to people anytime we can. We just go on and on about how much we love it and and all of our adventures in the park. And yet I have had some people drive through Yellowstone and tell me we saw nothing. And I can't even believe it. You, you know, we have gone through sections of it and thought, we're going to get skunked today. There's nothing out here. And then all of a sudden, it's like somebody flips a switch and you just start seeing animals. So early in the morning, late in the afternoon, evening are definitely the times when you're much more likely to see animals, especially if it's warm and things just are laying down, relaxing. during Right. Middle of the, the middle day is probably day the worst time to. Yeah. I can see that happening. We've never been there in the really crazy, busy time of the year. When... I, and I never intend to go in July, ever. No. no. But um, I think that um, I would do the northern part of the park early in the morning and then drive down to the the geysers and whatnot where yeah, you're not, not worried about anywhere. seeing wildlife and do that in the middle of the day and then head back in the afternoon to the other part of the park where you're more likely to see wildlife. I would especially uh, recommend that you camp in the park at least once. I mean, we've, we've actually only camped in the park one time, but I mean, that's an experience I will never forget sleeping in a tent in Yellowstone national park. And you have to, you know, you have to be careful about putting your food in their food storage areas away from your campsite or tying them up high in a tree or, um, you know, bison and bears can come into the, it's an adventure, such yeah, an adventure. It's definitely an adventure that everybody should to do at least once. There are some lodges and whatnot in the park. We've never stayed in a lodge in the park and that's on our bucket list to do sometime. I would love to stay at Old Faithful Lodge. Yeah, I actually yesterday looked at looking to see if we could do that because our anniversary is coming up in September and I thought, well, maybe we should stay at Old Faithful and um, a lot of lodges with COVID going on are just closed right now. Yeah, it's a different year. Yeah. So, we also, um, the Lake Yellowstone Hotel, which is where Lauren worked her very first summer away working at Yellowstone. She worked in the hotel restaurant there and uh, I would like to stay there, but I would for sure like to eat a meal there. And we attempted to do that once while we were out there. And do you remember what happened, Bill? Yeah, there was construction. No, it wasn't construction. There was a car accident. Oh, that was, yeah. There Anyways, was, there was a car accident and there was a traffic jam for, wow, like three hours, if I remember. Right. Oh, it, because the roads in Yellowstone are narrow. Yeah. And there's not, I mean, there are pullout areas, but they're spread out. and um. So in order to get uh, wreckers in there, an ambulance in there, whatever was needed, um, it, it took it, a while. Yeah, it plugged up the traffic for a long time. And so we were in the car in the middle of other cars and stuck for three hours, which was frustrating. But, you know, we opened our windows and we looked at squirrels. 
Yeah, we took mm-hmm. pictures of squirrels and a bunch of other things that were around there while we were everybody was in hold mode. And yeah, in that particular day, we were going to go there for lunch, and we got there like a half an hour after the lunch time had closed, yeah. and they were in between meals, and they just weren't. Yeah, serving it's the anything. restaurant there isn't isn't just open continuously. They have hours that they're open for. I don't know if they're open for breakfast. They must be. But they're then they shut down and reset, and then they have hours are open for lunch, and then they shut down and reset, and then hours for dinner. And so by the time we got there, lunch was done, and it was too soon for dinner, so we missed out. But right, luckily our daughter was with us, and most of the time the reason we go out there is to see our daughter. So we had three hours where she was stuck in the car with us, nothing to do but visit. So it wasn't that bad. Yeah, it wasn't a lost cause, although we were all pretty hangry by the time we found something. We were hangry. I think we went to like the general fishing bridge general store or something where they had a little little lunch counter. Lunch counter there and ate little something. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember the in the little food section of the general store, the cans of Pringles potato chips? Oh, yeah. We um, we were going to pick up some snacks and we were looking at the the, you know, Pringles are in that little tube and the the foil lid on the top of them was domed right up like probably there was lids laying all over the floor in the place when we started looking around yeah and uh I looked at Lauren I said what's what's all of this she goes elevation that's so weird because we were at a certain elevation it caused the vacuum packing of the Pringles to react in a way that it Kinda expanded com- yeah it can actually compress the the tube itself so it it popped the lids on and she it's said hilarious. a lot of times it just it'll blow it'll blow things wide open sometimes yeah elevation so. is an interesting thing i mean we live in in Boyne city michigan where our elevation is like 600 feet above sea level on a good day on a good day you're standing on a tall rock <laughs> so i mean have you ever bought like a a package of macaroni or a cake mix or something that will have um, a little asterisk with specific instructions for, you know, if you're, if you're baking this or if you're cooking this at a certain elevation, you have to do something different. I mean, I never realized how elevation affects all of that. Yeah, it is crazy. It affects your body pretty crazy. Especially affects your body. You've got to be, you got to be careful when you're in elevation to make sure that you stay hydrated and uh, because it, it does affect you in, in ways that you don't expect. Yeah. So we have one last picture in our series for today. And this is um, just a fun picture. Uh, one of the things that um, in, when you're in Yellowstone is you are going to encounter other tourists. And depending on the time of year, it can be very frustrating if there are lots of traffic jams or if people are being pushy. And that does sometimes happen. Um, especially if there's something like a bear on the side of the road, everybody wants to have the best spot and the best vantage point to get the picture or to get a look. And, um, so sometimes you wish that you could be the only people in the park, but that is unrealistic. Yeah. Um, so I think the best thing to do is change your mindset and, and also enjoy the people watching aspect of Yellowstone national park. Yeah. The, uh, People watching can be quite entertaining. Um, this picture that we're we're looking at right now is actually um, was in Lamar Valley. Uh, we were driving back from Cook City and just kind of actually, I think you caught the 
caught um what I think we this was actually around. a fairly good size pullout that had a um had a restroom. And by restroom yeah. I mean like a port potty. A pit toilet or type. A pit toilet, yeah. Might have been a, <clears throat> there are several um parking lots where you can take hikes back into different places and if i remember right this was a trailhead parking lot anyways it's a picture of it actually it's a picture of a young mennonite couple who uh it looked like they were probably camping in their truck on their honeymoon yeah the dust in the dust in the back the gentleman is looking for something in the back of the truck or rearranging their stuff in the back of the truck and he has the um the back window up and you can see where they have somebody has written in the dust on the back window, just married. <laughs> yeah, this was pretty funny picture. They, yeah. uh, they you def- can you can see the the wife is um, she's digging in the back seat of the truck trying to find something, and maybe they're getting their dinner out ready for the night. But they've got a little garbage bag hanging off the tailgate of the truck, and they've got a a blue plaid picnic blanket hanging off the tailgate and yep looks like maybe a cast iron pan sitting on the edge of there about to fall off too they've got extra fuel in a can on the ground yeah (laughs) and oil right looks like yeah maybe he was gonna i don't know maybe yeah looks like diesel fuel and oil maybe i don't wonder if you said yeah it's a yellow gas can yeah that might have been a diesel truck as far as that goes but so these um, two were honeymooning in Yellowstone National Park, and I can't think of any better place to be honeymoon. That'd be a great place to do it, yeah. I think hiking and camping and going through Yellowstone is probably about as romantic as you can get, in my opinion. Yeah, it was, it's definitely a, a sweet place to take somebody that you care about and enjoy it together. And I just think this is the sweetest picture. He's They've got the, the blue and white plaid picnic blanket he's wearing a a blue plaid jacket shirt she's wearing a blue plaid skirt (laughs) it was was a plaid day yeah it was just the sweetest little moment in time yeah it was kind of cool just to catch it so when you if you um enter or exit the north um, um entrance to yellowstone and head back out through Gardner to Livingston, you are going to drive through an area called Paradise Valley. And Paradise Valley might be one of my most favorite places on earth that I would like to live. It's um, a valley between two gorgeous mountain ranges, and there are big spanses of uh, land that are owned by ranchers, and um, it's just everywhere you turn in the Paradise Valley is just a gorgeous view. There's a river that runs right through that valley as well. And yeah, quite often when you're driving through there, especially um, late in the afternoon when the sun is hitting the east side of the valley and just it just lights up the, the rock through there and just it's just breathtaking. to. And there's to a see. lot of wildlife to see if you pay attention through there. You see elk. And, oh, yeah. And then we saw this little badger one day and. Um, also in the in Paradise Valley is a little town called Chico, and in Chico there is a little uh, resort that's built around a hot springs. And this is the perfect way to end your day at Yellowstone is to go and check in at Chico, and you can just um, get a pass to use their hot spring pool, 
or you can stay overnight there or they have a little restaurant bar area too um but the um hot spring pool looks like a swimming pool but it's not deep and it's surrounded by their resort building but open to the elements above there's no roof over it and there are is little mountainous areas around it so you can sit in the hot springs pool and look up towards the skies or towards that mountain and we've seen elk grazing there before and and it's just um boy a pleasant way to unwind and end your day oh it's very comfortable and even at night we've been there after dark and you can just um sit around in the pool and look at the stars above and um i know lauren and her husband cole have gone there several times when it's snowing and she said it's really pretty amazing when the snow is coming down and you're in the pool and you stay in the pool you're nice and warm and yet the snow comes down on your face and um yeah you can there's actually a shallow little pool area for the kids as well as the deeper end for everyone else and it's never really deep i think probably five foot deep is the deepest it is anywhere as far as that goes but yeah i uh, love doing just that. very relaxing i love doing that there is a wild natural hot spring area of the Yellowstone River. I believe it's the Yellowstone River within the park. The only area of the park where they let people get in the water. But we'll talk about that on another episode. Yeah, that's another story for another day. <laughs> that's a story for another day. So um, we'll end our podcast today. But we just want you to know this isn't the end of us talking about Yellowstone. No, there's much more to say about Yellowstone. So thank you for listening to the Winnie and Bill Chat podcast. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next week. Have a good day.